How, how do you deal with that argument, though, that some marketers throw out, like, well, sales just needs to learn how to close better? Oh, it drives me insane. If you if you inherently believe that salespeople are lazy, like, first of all, you're crazy. Um, second of all, you should probably have to go sit in the trenches and make a couple cold calls to humble yourself there, guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think salespeople, they're not, it's not lazy. It's trying to figure out as many ways as they can possibly to not do the cold call. Like, how can they be successful in any other way but the parts that are I'll be honest, I still don't fully believe you, but hey, we'll take your word for it. That's some royalty-free shit, people. That's what we do. So hey, everyone, we're back. I'm Puyan from Scratchpad. Uh, and of course, we've got Corp with us. Thug life. But super excited about our guest today, Zoe Hartsfield. You've got an incredible story, so I'm excited to, to jump in and uh, hear all about it. Thank you. Hopefully it doesn't disappoint. I, I think anyone that's made cold calls has an incredible story, to be honest, and you've done some of that. So I think that just checks that box. Perhaps we should take it back to the beginning of your sales career. I would love <laughs> to hear your sales background. And clearly you've lived the sadness life if you've cried on a cold call. But yeah, so like, how did I get yeah, by, uh, how did I get started in sales? Yeah, yeah. How about like, how did you fall into this? Was it like a choice, uh, you know, like a, a childhood dream? No, um, I'm pretty sure my grandpa, who's 93, said the word bummer when I told him I got a job in sales. So, uh, you know, it wasn't exactly the porter dream when I was growing up. I was supposed to be a a lawyer and huge disappointment to my family in that regard. But uh, I did actually fall into SaaS sales kind of on a fluke. I was working in like corporate finance. I was a, a junior in college. And I was working like 55 hours a week and in school full time. And I was miserable. My manager was like, Hey, I think you would be great for like a team lead. And I was like, wow, I can't believe that you seem bad in me. Like I would love to do that. He's like, yeah, yeah. So I want you to apply. You're not going to get it this time around, but like apply now. So that like in a year when it opens up again, like you can apply, you'll get it. And I was like, wait, that like, can you back it up for me? What does that mean? He was like, Oh yeah. Well, like you kind of have to get in queue. You need to wait in line. And I was like, all right. So like, I interview the best, if I'm the best candidate, I will not get this promotion. He was like, that's exactly what I'm telling you. So I quit. I like put in my two weeks the next day and had no job lined up. I was still a full-time student. My my partner was like, we, I can float us for the next six months, just finish school. And about six weeks into my sabbatical, I was like, forget this. This is so boring. And I literally just cold applied to the two tech companies in Colorado Springs. Um, one of them was desperate for bodies and brought me in for an interview. I talked about how I used to huck credit cards as uh, a sales like floor rep at Banana Republic. And they were like, cool, we'll give you a job. And so thus began my journey as an SDR. Rest is history. What, like, what happened when you actually got in as an SDR? Talk to us about that a little bit. Man, I mean, like, talk about drinking from a fire hose, like, having no concept of SaaS or like tech. I was wondering for you to say, talk about drinking. Yeah, just just talk about drinking. I mean, like that too. But no, like I had never experienced a working environment like that. Like not only was I surrounded by people my age, but like the energy on a sales floor is so different from the energy in any other working environment I've ever had. Like I went from being in a literal cubicle doing like data entry and like customer service calls to calling people and selling them shit. And like, it's just a really different conversation. It's a different skill set. Luckily, like, I figured out that I was very, very good at copywriting. I was not so great 
on the phone. Uh, <laughs> and that took a lot of work. But um, yeah, it was just, it was really interesting to shift from that you have to wait in line to this is a meritocracy and we will pay you based on how good you are. And that was very, very exciting. I was a collegiate athlete. I was, um, you know, like a pretty good student. Like I am not averse to hard work as long as my hard work is recognized. So like the ego boost that it gave me to be at the top of a board in a sales floor where like everyone could see like Zoe Hartsfield, number one, like it was, it was great for my ego and also terrible because it gave me like a huge complex. I, yeah. I'll be honest. I don't know how, I don't know how people do it. it. It's like to sit in a room alone and, and have to like just build your, build that energy up to cold call and then just get rejected and rejected and rejected after that. Like I, it was hard enough doing it when we were getting started and it was, uh, you know, it was just me and my co-founder and we had no idea what the hell we were doing. But to your point, like we'd hype each other up and we're like, man, that was, gosh, that was bad. But all right, like your turn. So obviously as a founder, you've had to sell your product. Were you ever in sales prior to that? No, like we, yeah. So we never, you know, and a lot of people ask, like, you know, you've been building sales tech products type stuff now for, gosh, it's been way too long. Um, for a long time, for many years. And, and it was like, no, we didn't really have any sales experience. We were never on a sales floor. We never had anyone to, you know, give us that extra boost and coaching and say, Hey, like, I believe in you. Great job. Like you'll get it next time. Uh, it was just us, but we, we ended up with this product and we're like, well, shit, what do we do with it now? We have no money. We can't hire a salesperson. Um, but that's it. So we actually just, we read every book we could. We talked to every salesperson we could. But ultimately, it was just we just sat there and just picked up the phone and just started calling. We had to create our own lists. We had no money to buy some data tool. We even did door to door prospecting uh, for one of our businesses. So it was like a it was a fully packed immersion experience into sales in a short period of time. So was it worse or better when you got marketing finally? We just got marketing not that long ago. And just for our latest business, we never really had marketing for any of other other businesses. So I don't know how to answer it's, it's, it's about It's about it's about like a nice to have versus need to have. You know, it's a classic, classic conundrum. And now you've got some VC money. So you'll get that nice to have known as marketing. Nate's out there right now just dying inside, wanting to play. I love Nate. Nate. Nate is the best, by the way. You guys have an excellent marketing leader. We, we, I'd say the whole marketing team. Um, Including Ross, they're, they're, they're fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Including Ross. Uh, Sorry, I got to throw the jabs in. But no, you know, the one area I do think that, you know, so you called out that I think is really important though is, is how do you position and message in the first place? And in some ways people think that falls under marketing, but in a lot of ways it does fall under sales. It's like, hey, if I'm just, if I'm reaching out to you, I'm, I'm like, what do I even say? How do I position this thing? And and some of the best salespeople I know are just excellent at positioning and messaging too. Um, now there are other I mean, ones that are just like, yeah. They, they should basically just be product marketers. I think like my fit. Okay. So the best thing that I have encountered since like working at a company that has some PC money is, this is the first time I've worked with product marketers and our product marketers are like so excellent and they're so in tune with sales and their whole mission is to make sales easier. And I just kind of love that ethos from like a marketing perspective, but 
yeah, I mean, like early days when I was an SDR, we didn't have product marketing. We didn't even have training or enablement or anything. It was me and four other inbound SDRs that they were like, hey, do you guys want to try outbound? We've never done this before. Like write your own sequences, figure it out. So I had a lot of like ability to test my own messaging, write my own sequences, chose my own verticals. Like I got to, we didn't have territories. Uh, It was just like pick random ass accounts and go after them. And so you have to fail fast to figure out what works and what doesn't. Otherwise you're never going to hit your number and you're never going to make any money. And that's no fun. Like sales is miserable when you can't hit quota. Uh, But it's fun as hell when you're crushing your number. So for, for product marketing, right? Like, were those are those product marketers great because they did sales before, or just that they appreciate what sales does? Most of our product marketers, honestly, they were writers. They're really good writers. They're really good storytellers, and they're just like they're helpful people. I actually don't think any of them have sales backgrounds. One of them has a RevOps background. One of them was just like a different marketing background. But they are so like intimately connected to the problem that we solve. And genuinely measure themselves and their success against the success of sales. So I think it's really like aligning your outcomes with sales outcomes. I think that's like the biggest issue with the tension between sales and marketing right now is like marketers are like, here's a bunch of MQLs. Sales like these leads suck. And it's like, there's no alignment. But if everybody was measured on pipeline, if that was like the gold standard, then, you know, like there's not a lot to argue about at that point. Like if marketers are held accountable to a pipeline number of sales accountable to a pipeline number, like, or business development or whatever, like that's a, that's a different story. And so I think for our product marketing team, the reason they're so good is because they don't consider themselves successful unless sales is succeeding. The only thing you run into though, is the attribution piece and then who, who sourced what, you know, that's, that's one piece, but really quick, because I think a lot of, I can speak, personally for the longest time and many other salespeople who are the majority of who are listening to this, like, can you differentiate product marketing versus like generalist kind of marketing or how you kind of see the difference between the two? Cause there also is like a huge technical piece to marketing. Totally. I mean, like w- there's a bunch of different types of marketing. Like I would consider myself a bit of a Swiss army knife marketer uh, because I've done a lot of random marketing shit before. Um, and I, I wouldn't say that I specialize in any one piece, but like a product marketer, they're working on our messaging, they're working on our positioning, they're working on sales collateral to make sales better so that when sales gets on a call, everybody is saying the same thing. We're all talking to our prospects the same way. And if I were to stop any person in the company and say, hey, give me our elevator pitch, it's within a couple of words of one another. And it's all very clear and defined. Like I need to be able to tell my 93-year-old grandma what the hell a spec it is. Uh, because like, it's gotta be that simple. And if I can't, then like, we need to work on some of our messaging. So that's where I think product marketing comes in. But then like, we've got an incredible ops marketer. She lives in Salesforce spreadsheets all day. And like, I can't do that. Like I'm honestly, like I spend most of my day on LinkedIn and just like take calls with random people and try and make intros to the business development team and hang out in communities. Like my job is so different. I think I think the key is having a marketing strategy and like how all of those things play into the overarching goal of like, are we shooting for pipeline? Are we shooting for MPLs? Do we care about attribution? Yes, everybody cares about attribution, but it's like, you have to kind of ask yourself, what's the motivator? Like you brought up attribution. People want credit. For me, it's less about the credit and it's more so like, do I throw more dollars at this channel because it's working? Or do I not and pivot and try something else? And so like for us, attribution is more so just like an indicator of where we double down. 
and less of like marketing gets credit here. How, how do you deal with that argument though that some marketers throw out like, well, sales just needs to learn how to close better? Oh, it drives me insane. Oh my goodness. I worked for a VP that is, is not, I don't work for them anymore, but they used to be like, salespeople are lazy. And I was like, you've clearly never worked in sales. Like you have no idea. That job is so hard. And I think if that is your attitude as a marketer, you are set up to fail because you're not being a very good partner to your sales team. If you, if you inherently believe that salespeople are lazy, like first of all, you're crazy. Um, second of all, you should probably have to go sit in the trenches and make a couple cold calls to humble yourself there, guy. And then, you know, move on. But that's like my take on it. It's like you have to have some respect for the role. Yeah, I mean, I, I think salespeople, they're not, it's not lazy. It's trying to figure out as many ways as they can possibly to not do the cold call. Like how can they be successful in any other way but the parts that are miserable? You speak very emotionally, and I don't mean that like in the in a in a negative way, and vulnerably and authentically publicly. Can you talk about that shift and where you suddenly decided, hey, this is what I want to lead with and what that's kind of yielded for you and how that's sort of uh, affected the roles that you've gotten and just kind of like your general life trajectory? When I was an SDR, I was two months into the pandemic. I like a lot of stuff was going on in my personal life. And I actually like attempted suicide. Like I I tried to be done with life and I didn't want to do life anymore. And I thought that everything was too painful. And I was living kind of in this box that I had created for myself because I wanted to be more palatable to the world. And I didn't want people to see how much pain I was in. And that works for so long. And then all of a sudden stuff breaks. And so when that kind of resolved itself, and I got into therapy and started kind of like working through my shit, I realized like I wasn't doing myself or the people who love me any favors by kind of like, I would never say I was being fake. I just think I was not open and I was not vulnerable. And I remember how impactful it was for me um, meeting someone who had been through some things that were similar to me and sharing their experience. And it like, it did something to like truly soften me, I think, and feeling seen in that moment. And so I, I kind of just made this shift of like, well, no one's going to hate me more than I hate me. So like, what's the risk in being a little bit more honest and see what happens. And like the overwhelming support. Yeah. I, sh- I get like the jamokes and my DMS from time to time being like, you're an idiot. But like in general, people are really nice and like, wow, like I relate to that or I've experienced that too. And I've kind of tested the waters. I think there's a balance. Like I don't ever want to post things for the shock factor. So I kind of have this litmus test in the back of my head of like, anytime I write about something, the question is, does this help somebody with their life or like be better at their job? Or does it make them feel something? And if the answer is no, then I scrap it and I start over. But if the answer is yes, then it's worth putting out there. And like, I think, I mean, social media is such a like an echo chamber, but it's also an interesting feedback loop. Like you see what resonates with people. You can see people react. You can like see the messages they send you. And as I got more and more positive feedback of people being like, I thought I was the only one. I was like, man, there's like a real need for a little bit more honesty and vulnerability. And like, if that's going to be me, sure. Because I lived so much of my life feeling so unseen and like so see-through that it's now kind of like a core value of mine of like, let no one come into my presence and feel see-through. And so if that requires me being the first one to be vulnerable to help other people feel that way, 
and feel seen and feel like they can open up, then like, so be it. I don't know a lot. Like, you know, one, one thing I tell my team is that you never know. Actually, now you never know. Just assume that everyone you interact with has something crazy going on in their life that you have no idea about that you may never know. But like for most folks, I think that is the case. And, and I think just, you know, to your point on like making sure everyone that comes into your sphere is seeing is being seen. I think treating people with just, just treating people with compassion as a starting point and as a, as a default. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of therapy too. I've been going to therapy for many, many years, big, big proponent. Yeah. Like I like to make, I like to make jokes about it because it, it, uh, I think it, it makes it somewhat more accessible, but it is like kind of a silly thing when you think about it, but it is also just like going to the gym or eating healthy. It's like just maintenance of a human. And a lot of people don't oh, yeah. see it that way. I, I love making jokes. I, me and my friend Jack have this quip. It's like sense of humor sponsored by trauma. Like I make a ton of jokes about like hard things that I've been through because it makes it more palatable for me. And it makes me more comfortable talking about it. Like I think humor is a really interesting outlet, which is part of why I like your content so much, Ross. Cause I'm like, yeah, that's like, it's funny, but it's also like super real. And like, <laughs> I get what you're saying. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it is to your point. It's totally a maintenance thing. It's like being a person is probably the hardest thing you could do <laughs> with your life just existing it's challenging and having somebody whose time with you is literally dedicated to helping you like solve problems get better like it's it's an invaluable resource and i know like i don't the significance is not lost on me that like it is not a cheap thing it is an investment i'll say it's the best investment i've ever made like if i had to choose between a gym membership or a therapist i would choose a therapist and like, just go run outside. Like there, there's certain trade-offs I think you can make, but like that is the type of investment that will pay lifelong dividends. Uh, if you're willing to make it. Oh, facts. Shout out to Kyle. 1 PM every Monday. See you there, buddy. For a second, I thought you were talking to a dead person because he looked up. And he no, shout out my therapist, there. Kyle. He's out there. He's, he's alive. Unless I've been making this up in my head for for a long time. <laughs> Who have I been paying then? Not licensed. He's just like a guy with an office. It's, yeah, they're like everyone's like, yeah, your your therapist would be named Kyle. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that sounds yeah, yeah, fair, fair. Maybe it's maybe it's not. Mine's name is Heather. So shout out Heather. What's your recovery song? Yeah, like Heather's busy. You need something, and you need it yeah. now. If I said careless whisper, will you judge me? N- no. Absolutely not. Wait, for which one? The hype song or the recovery yeah, song? Yeah, definitely no. the hype song. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, I'm trying to think, like, recovery song. It's probably anything where somebody is screaming, to be honest. Like, 2006, like, heavier Let the bodies hit metal. Or something. Yeah. Something Just, like, calming. I need somebody, like, like something, somebody's screaming at me. I need to, like, transfer that angst. To something else. So I actually really love like angry music. But like hype song. Okay, have you heard uh, Mount Everest by Labyrinth? I have not. How dare you? It's the best one. Um, okay, and then Zoe, please hype your, like, like gas yourself up right now. Where can people find you? What are you working on? Do you want to plug anything? Life? Anything? <sighs> Man, I mean, don't find me. You don't want to follow me. All I do is I'm I'm a saddie, not a baddie. So like, it's really not worth the follow. Why not both? Today. Can't you be both? <laughs> I'm Can you actually, not be so both? I'm I'm 
I have two projects right now that I'm working on. None of them are ever going to make me any money, but they're just like a creative outlet. One of them is called No Product, Just Vibes. And it's a Slack community for people who want to bitch about work together. Uh, so No Product, Just Vibes. We're hanging out in there. Um, wow, you get a lot of salespeople ready for that. That's perfect audience oh, for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then um, I'm working on a brand uh, for just like, it's kind of like a mental health awareness and mostly just like, I love fashion and clothing and I, I wanted to kind of like try my hand at designing some some interesting stuff and so Sadie is on a hat that I have uh, and uh, it's called Manana Brand and it's just like the idea of you know we need you here tomorrow get that Manana so uh, that's something I'm working on but I mean other than that I'm on LinkedIn I'm a real troll I'm on Twitter sometimes it's like not troll. very good <laughs> talk about Sadie that's everything I do is about sadness. That's the sadness. Okay. Well, Zoe, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being super real and, you know, generally cool throughout this whole thing.